Generation House, and we thank you so much for being here. These ladies are some of the most precious people I've ever known, and uh, thank you so much for showing up to support them. I appreciate it so much. You know, the, you know what the most amazing part about miracles are? Is that they happen. In Malachi, God says, I'm the Lord thy God, I change not. Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So hadn't anything changed from the ancient times to this time other than us? Nothing. The Bible still works. It always will. It's timeless. It does not, time it does have, have anything to do with what God does. He split time in half. We know, we know all of this. But the thing is about miracles is there's got to be a willing vessel for a miracle to happen. And these women at Generation House are walking, living miracles. But they paid. Jesus brought deliverance, but they came to him because they needed it. And therefore, a miracle happened in their life. And we're so grateful for them and uh, so thankful. So without that, I'm going to turn over to Jordan. Amen, amen. Y'all are in for such a treat today, girls. Here you go. All right. So y'all don't have to bring your own. Yeah. Tiffany's already got her, so I knew that she'd probably need it. But we're going to have um, all of our current residents at the Generation House come up and share a little bit of their stories with you today. So I appreciate each and every one of you being here and opening up your heart to listen to them. Uh, for Tiffany, I know who's going to be first. This is her first time sharing at the church. Angela shared when she was in Teen Challenge and in the Generation House. So we're going to have all of them uh, come up and speak, and I'm going to have our house director, Miss Angela Wallace, close it up after, and then uh, we'll take up an offering um, at the end, and we'll have Pastor Ginger close it up and open it up for prayer. But we've had Tiffany with us for two years. Two years. All right. I'm not going to share any of her story because it's her story to tell. But if Tiffany, if you want to go ahead and come on up and get us started for the morning, give a hand for Miss Tiffany Burge. And for her engagement ring, okay, yeah, show that thing off, there you go. Okay, I'm a little nervous this morning to be able to, um, to share in front of my family and um, in the church. Um, Katie already had me crying up here, so, so we're already going to start off that way. But um, my name is Tiffany. I have two amazing children, and I'm from right here in Minden. Um, my parents got pregnant with me at a young age. Um, not long after I was born, um, they got divorced. My dad was never really a part of my life. He, um, he chose to use alcohol and drugs instead of be a parent. So that left me feeling rejected, unwanted, unloved. So that was something that I always dealt with throughout my childhood. Um, I always wanted to do everything right because I was afraid that my mom would abandon me also. So I always lived in that fear of wanting to be perfect, wanting to do what my parents wanted me to do because I didn't want you know, my mom to leave me too. Um, at age 14, I started... Um, started drinking, started having sex with my high school sweetheart, um, and which led to a lot of partying, um, a lot of trust trying to fit in, you know, just doing whatever anybody wanted me to do so that I felt accepted. Um, we got to partying a lot harder, you know, and when I graduated high school, that's when the drugs came in. Um, I got introduced to, you know, just, just pot, some pills, um, and then I got introduced to meth. And when I got introduced to meth, that was the end of my world. Um, it was amazing at the time, I thought. Um, it made me feel invincible. I was bold. I had power. Um, so I wanted to do it. And, of course, after I had done it for a while, you know, I was no longer in control of it. It controlled me. Um, at Well, I had my daughter. It was in 2003 when I had my daughter. Um, right after me, me and my high school sweetheart had broke up, the very next person that I got with, 
um, was our best friend. He was selling dope, um, got pregnant with my daughter. And not long after that, then we separated also. Um, a short time later, I found myself in 30-day rehab, was sober for a little while. Um, it helped, you know, but I just couldn't stay that way. And when I say sober, that was only for my drug of choice. Let me clarify that because I was still drinking. I was still using pills. I was still smoking pot. Um, I just wasn't using meth. So I thought that was being sober. Um, so this went on, you know, for years, just constantly uh, wanting to be sober, but just not knowing how to do that. Um, the drug was always calling my name. Um, it was knocking on my door, even when I didn't want it. Um, let's see, in 2007, my high school sweetheart died in a car wreck. And after that, that he was the only person that I felt that truly loved me. Um, so whenever he did die, that was something devastating to my life. Um, so once again, I went to drugs, more drugs. Um, all right, not long after that, um, I was still using, was getting worse and worse um, each year that went by. You know, I was trying to be functional. I was trying to still be a parent. I was trying to still hold a job. I was trying not to let my family know what was going on. Thought I was doing real good at hiding it. Um, but, of course, I wasn't. They were seeing right through that. In 2015, I lost my kids. I lost my kids to meth. I chose the drug instead of being a parent. And after that, that was it. I didn't have a reason to live anymore because they were my life, even though I wasn't fully giving it to them the way that I should have been as a parent. They were still what I woke up for every morning. They were still what I wanted to have every day. So when I lost them, I just spiraled, just went crazy. Um, not long after that, I ran off to Texas with some guy that I'd barely even met. Um, not even going to go into detail about everything that took place while I was gone there. Um, didn't have anything to do really with my kids because it was hard to be here, hard to face them, hard to face my family. And this went on for a while, for years. Um, for years I just battled with suicidal thoughts. Um, I, had, I didn't want to be alive. I had no reason to be alive. I had mental torment. I was full of anxiety. And I lived in fear every single day of my life. In 2019, um, I, and during all that time also, I had been in and out of jail. There was like a two-year period that had, my family doesn't even really know how many times I've been in jail. Um, probably just in a two-year period, at least four times, that I know that some of them don't even know. Um, nothing too serious. A DWI was probably the most serious thing that I had. Um, I loved getting in fights. Um, I went to jail several times for being drunk and being high and, and fighting. Um, and if anybody knows me now, that's definitely not the person that I am. Um, so in 2019, I had gotten arrested again for no driver's license. I was driving. I had had a DWI a couple years before. Um, so I went to jail. Not long after that, um, I, uh, I, I, I was in a dope house. I was high, and that's where God came in and rescued me. I was using drugs. I leaned down to do some more. And when I lifted, looked in the mirror, I didn't know that girl that was staring back at me. Um, I'd never seen her before. And I know that that was God. God was showing me what I couldn't see. Um, after that, I called my daughter. I said, baby, I want to go to rehab. I need help. And I want you to help me. And I want you to be a part of that. And she immediately said, teen challenge. And I said, no. I'm not going to Teen Challenge. Uh, teen Challenge is a long time, long program. I can't do it. <laughs> but 
I told her I would go and I'd talk to someone. So I went, and the person that I went and met was Jordan. And when I met Jordan um, and I saw her, I said, whatever it is that you have, I want it. And I don't care what it takes to get it. So 2019, I went into Teen Challenge, and that's where I met Jesus. I sat at his feet, and he began to fix every broken place that I had. Um, he began to mend every relationship that was broken in my life. Um, he has restored my children back to me. He has restored my family back to me. My family trusts me again. And my daughter is my best friend. I love her, and she's been through all the bad. Now she gets to see the good, and I'm thankful for that. And when I got out of Teen Challenge, I didn't want to come home because I was scared. I didn't want to come home and have to face all the same people because I knew where I would end up. I was going to be the same thing over and over again. You know, I've done done this before. So I thought I was scared to come home because I didn't want to. I didn't want to come back home to my hometown and have to be with the people that I used with. And God told me I was going home, and I told him no. And, well, the very next day, once I had agreed to God that I guess I would go home, and I said, whatever, you got to have it ready for me because I, I, have, I don't, you know, I don't trust myself. I can't, I can't go home, so I'm going to put my trust in you, and whatever you have opening doors for me, you know, I'm going to do it. And the next day, my mom came to visit with me, and she told me that Jordan had a place for me. And that I had a job waiting on me at GoFresh. And um, so I came home. And I've had all these things. And I've had an amazing church family. Um, I didn't know at the time that God was already working in my life. He was lining up me being in this church because my daughter was already a part of this church. And then GoFresh in 2016 when I was at my worst. Um, I'm the one that was with Jody that signed for the paperwork. Because... So God was already lining that up for me. And now I get to work for her and for Mr. Devin. And so I get two amazing bosses. So most people are not that lucky. Um, and I just, um, I've gotten to go to Africa last year. And this year I get to go with my daughter. And so I'm grateful for that. And I got engaged on Christmas <laughs> to that amazing man right back there. <laughs> that I love, and he is so good to me, and I would have never thought that I would have deserved anything that good, but God gave me his best, so I'm grateful for that, and I'm just grateful for everybody in this church, and God's done some amazing things in my life, so thank you for letting me share my story. Wow, that was awesome. It's so crazy, because I remember... Uh, they, I had, her sister had reached out to me and said, hey, would you please uh, speak to my sister? I didn't even know she had a sister. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Send her over to GoFresh. I was getting off work. And um, so she came, <laughs> she came to the front, and she was angry. <laughs> she was an angry elf. And uh, I'm like, hey. And she said, I just want you to know I'm here as, uh, because I, my daughter asked me to be, okay? And um, I'm not going to Teen Challenge, but I'll listen to you. We can talk about other options. I said, well, there ain't another one I'm going to give you. But all right, you know, and by the end of our maybe 15-minute conversation, <laughs> it didn't take that long, um, she said, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> I said, amen, all right, let's go. I said, we can go start your paperwork right now. And she was in by the end of the week. And when I tell you, anytime I would go see her or go visit her or talk to her, she did great through her entire program. Not all of us did so great the entire time. But Tiffany really was happy to be there. And her mom was always checking in and so supportive of what we do and was just always so thankful. And it's just been great to see her relationship with her daughter who had been in our church praying for her mom. Like we knew that we were praying for Katie's mom. And then when she comes across me, I, I didn't realize it was Katie's mom until she was in the program for like four months. And I'm like, that's crazy. But um, we're going to have our next speaker come up, and it's going to be precious little Miss Kim. Come on, my cute little tiny thing. Yeah. Kim, I told him to get the shorter podium because I, I didn't know if you would be able to get past it. Okay, um, my name is Kim. I'm 52. I'm a mother of four and a grandmother of six. Um, I was born in a suburb out of Detroit called Roseville. 
Um, I want to start out with Genesis 50:20, and I'm paraphrasing here. God, what the devil meant for bad, God turned around and brought all good out of it. So, um, my mom was an addiction. Um, I never really knew her. I mean, I see her. I seen her here and there. I was kind of shuffled um, to a stepfather up until the age of 12. Um, I was on my way to school one day. Uh, my mom pulled up with two two guys I didn't know. She told me to get in the vehicle, and she kidnapped me and took me to Florida because really she had never been around, so she just kind of picked me up and took me. Once we got there, she left me with these people and went out, and like I said, she was in addiction. Um, while I was there, I was sexually abused. Uh, like I said, I was 12. Um, because of that abuse, I became pregnant. Um, my whole life, uh, I never really felt loved or was loved or I, I yearned for it. I, I, that's all I ever wanted was someone to care and love me. So um, the decision I made to keep my son and, uh, was because I wanted to love someone and to give the love back. Um, so uh, my mother said I got pregnant um, and it was my fault. It was, it was really bad. But um, so one week after I turned 13, um, I was in a hospital having my son. Um, the lady that I had been living with, that my mom left me with, had kind of took me under her wing. It was her brother that sexually abused me, but she took me in. And um, during my pregnancy, I lived with her. When I was due to have the baby, my son, um, I was in a hospital up in Indiana. Um, let up, it was almost Amish country and all these people are like this little girl is up there having a baby. Mind you, this is 1984. Women or children didn't have children like they do nowadays. It was a lot different. Um, I was scared. I thought like the welfare, the, uh, the Children's Protection Services was going to come and try to take my son because this is mine. No one ever came. I had my son Jeremy um, and I took him home with me. Um, we continued to live with the lady. Um, at six months old, he came down with a sickness, which was spinal meningitis. So here I am in a hospital, 13 years old. Um, they're telling me my son's going to die. I didn't, I never knew God. My, no one in my life ever, ever presented God to me. Like, I didn't know who he was. I just thought, you know, like, I, I had no clue. Um, so we're in a Catholic hospital. My son's in um, intensive care. The priest came and read him his last rites. He wasn't going to make it. The doctors turned around, came up to me, and he was taking a turn for the best. Um, they said, but due to the complications uh, with the high fever and what was going on, most likely he'll be deaf, um, blind, um, just a multitude of things. But. <laughs> There I know now that God has been with me from the beginning because uh, he, had, he has a little teeny bit of hearing loss, and that's the only thing that became of that. So I continue. I raised my son. I went to school. Um, uh, God, took, God had his hand on that boy since he was in the, before he became in the womb because he himself and God pulled him, put himself in church. He followed church. He went to church. He, he's been, and he's still dedicated um, in the church. Um, so going a little fast forward, at age of 16, I was emancipated. I took me and my son, and we lived on our own. I was in my, um, I went to school. But in my senior year, um, I had to quit because, um, of course, I couldn't pay the bills. I was getting some assistance, but that, after a while, just kind of faded away. So I had to quit school to maintain, um, you know, my household for me and my son. Um, um, at the age of 21, I had my second child, uh, my daughter. Um, I kind of, I kind of, I never used drugs when I was young because I had a, God gave me a responsibility. And, and, you know, that responsibility, I did it out of my will because I didn't know God's will. I didn't even know God. I mean, I just thought this is what you do. You know, you just love and take care of your children and your family. Um, but the age of 21, I had my daughter. Um, after that, I, you know, I was 21. I started going to the club with the girls, drinking. So I was doing that. I was introduced to methamphetamine. Um, 
I purchased my own house for the first time. Um, I was being responsible, but you know, just I, I, I never even had a, uh, a teenage life. So kind of maybe, you know, on the weekends when the, my kids were gone or what have you, I would go out and just kind of, you know, just be free. You know, living something I never, never lived before, just having a good time, I thought. Um, at the age of 20, I had my third child at the age of 26. I had my first back surgery. Uh, that's when I was introduced to pain medication, opiates. Um, mind you, I was a functioning addict because, you know, the doctor put me on pain medication. I was just, I had to take care of my kids. Nobody else was there. I, I never had no family. Um, but I was, I was um, always on something. Either I was drinking or taking a pill or, like I said, on the weekends I would do methamphetamine. Um, later on, when I was about 32, uh, the doctor introduced me to methadone said this will get you off the pain medication so they put me on methadone when I got put on that that gave me um, a false sense of strength I worked two jobs but it was just the medication that was uh, just pushing me it, it wasn't good I thought I was doing good but it was not good but um, mind you I have my home this whole time and in my home I would keep I would I would hide nobody knew what I was doing even my kids really didn't know because they were gone when I did it but um, as I got older, um, when I was about, I lost my mom. I had her in and out, but I lost her to addiction. Um, my kids kind of grew up and moved out. Um, I lost my home after 20 years of having my home. And I felt like God, now that I know, he took that home away because that's where I hid my sin. That's what I was doing wrong. I didn't realize it, but that's where all that bad stuff was going on. And um, God... He, I see where he was, but I was hiding and running from him for since the beginning. Um, I lost my home uh, for about a year. I was kind of floating from my, my, my daughter's house, um, partying, um, living like I was a teenager again because I never got, I guess. But I was being sinful, using drugs, partying all the time. And like I said, God took something better something bad the devil meant for bad good my oldest son which um he went to bible college in louisiana that's where he met his wife and they moved to arkansas so he was down south him and his wife came to indiana and they got me and they said mom we're not gonna let you die so god knew from the way beginning that he was using this 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 child he gave me to come back and save my life so uh, they came and got me. I moved in with him. And mind you, um, I, I knew that I always had some kind of good in me because I'm a very caring person. So when I moved with my son, I was very respectful to him. He's like, you know, I don't want you dating. I want guys around. You know, you can't drink alcohol. You can't smoke cigarettes. And I obliged by these rules. But I still had, I had another surgery coming up. So I was able to get medication from the doctor. Um, so that maintained my addiction. I became very depressed. I guess I, I say suicidal because if I, a truck or a vehicle would have hit me and I would have died, I wouldn't have cared. Um, so my daughter-in-law knew, and they went to Bible college with Amanda that worked at the office at Teen Challenge at one time. They knew her, and they talked to me about Teen Challenge. And this is really where everything comes together because now that I got to go to Teen Challenge, figure out God showed me who he was. I never had a father. I have a father, as Miss Angel says, my daddy somebody that loves me, cares about me, and, and shows me what is right and good. Um, he's in my life. Teen Challenge showed me who he was. They taught me who he was. Um, I am grateful today to be here. Um, I have a wonderful family where I work, the girls I live with, this church. Um, I know that uh, God has delivered me from many things, but most of all, he has shown me who I am and who he is in me. Um, I just want to say that I'm, I'm grateful and thankful and ready for whatever God has me has in store for me because I'm on fire for him. I feel like a little girl. <laughs> just, <laughs> um, I'm just ready. I'm, I'm anxious to see where God's taking me, and I thank everyone and everyone in this church. 
I was telling her, you are a little girl. I mean, you look at Jesus. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. And that was, I know that was hard for Miss Kim. She doesn't really enjoy public speaking, so I'm very proud of her for being so bold. Um, all right, Britta, let's do it, girl. Welcome on, Britta. Let's go, girl. <laughs> so do we have to do that for you when you come up here, Emily? Do you want us to go, go, Emily? Like... <laughs> Hi, I'm Britta. Um, I'm originally from Streetport. <sighs> I am a middle child, and I have a daughter that I'm now her mom. Um, growing up, um, my dad was very strict, and my mom, she's mentally ill, and so she slept a lot, and she really wasn't a mom. But I was a mommy's girl, and... Um, when I was 10, she left for a year. Um, it broke me. And um, I felt rejected for the first time and abandoned. And I, it took me a long time to come back from that. Um, a year later, she came back. And she never really told me why. But um, I didn't talk to any, really anyone for three years. I was really shy, and um, I felt invisible. Like, the only person I would talk to was my little sister. And um, I just felt like she was my best friend, and she just understood me. And my dad didn't understand why I didn't talk. And so, like, every morning, he would be like, good morning, good morning. And I wouldn't say anything back, and he just didn't understand. Um, he was really hard on me. And I didn't understand that. But now I know it's because he knew that I had something in me that I was greater than what I thought I was. Um, in high school, I started drinking at 17. And I was a different person. I wasn't shy anymore. I not like that person. So every weekend, I would go out and get drunk. And I didn't know my limits, so I would drink and drink and drink until I threw up. Um, when I was a senior in high school, I missed too many days, and I dropped out. My mom, she didn't really care if I dropped out or not. And so it was easy for me not to go to school. And so um, when I was 20, I started working at a pool hall. And I was like, this is my dream job. I drink, you know. I get to hang out with people who drink, and I get to socialize. And I made money doing it. And so I worked there for eight years. And um, I would go out every night after work and get drunk. There was times where I don't even know how I drove my car home. I would drive with one eye open, and the next morning I knew my keys were in the bathroom because I would make myself throw up every night. Um, it was an endless cycle for me, and I thought it was okay. I thought this is how life could be. I have money, I have my own place. Everything was going to be okay. Um, when I was 23, I had my real boyfriend. Like, I thought he was going to be, like, my boyfriend forever. We were together for five months. And I found out he was doing morphine behind my back. And so I broke up with him, and he went and stayed with my mom. One night, she called me and told me to come pick him up. And I said he wasn't my responsibility anymore. The next morning, he was found drowned in a pool. I blamed myself for many years. I thought it was my fault because I didn't go pick him up. Um, that is when I started doing meth. And I met my child's father. And I thought that he was my knight in shining armor. Um, for five years, he abused me mentally, physically. And I just felt like I couldn't have anyone better. I had no worth. I thought I was ugly, and I thought he was the best that I could have. Um, when I was 25, I got pregnant, and I quit doing everything. I was like, I'm going to, uh, this is my fresh start. I'm going to have this kid, and I'm going to be a great mom, and I'm going to have the family that I've always wanted. Well, it didn't turn out that way. After I had her, I found out that my child's father was doing meth the whole time behind my back. Um, it broke me, and I didn't understand why I couldn't have my fairy tale ending. 
I just didn't understand why this is happening to me. Um, I had really bad postpartum, and within a couple months, I started doing meth again. And um, I told him he can do the drugs or he could have me and Hayden. And he chose the drugs, and he left. Um, for the next couple of years, he was in and out of our lives. But it was more he wanted to be with me than be with Hayden. And um, I, didn't, I didn't want that. I wanted a family or none. And so um, when I was 27, I first got arrested and went to jail. Um, I was only there three days, and my dad bailed me out. And um, right after that, I started doing the exact same thing I was doing before. I was reckless. I was working in a bar, getting drunk, taking clonopins, doing meth, doing whatever. And I was just reckless. And then um, I found out that one of my best friends hung himself in jail. Um, I feel like God had a hand on me then because I missed my court date and my child's father called the bounty hunter on me and I went to jail for 47 days. And at that point, it broke me to where I wanted to be sober, I wanted to change, but through all this, I never had God in my life. Like I went to church a little bit growing up and in high school, but I didn't know God. I didn't know Jesus, I didn't know anything that I know now. And so um, I lived with Judy, she's my stepmom, for a year, and Hayden was three. And um, I mean, I was still drinking, but I wasn't doing meth. And I thought, I'm ready to get out on my own and have my child and be a mom. Well, two weeks, like it was a year later, I got an apartment. Within two weeks, I was doing meth again. Hayden was there a lot, and then she was there weekends, and then she wasn't there at all. And I used to say, well, I'm working a lot, so can y'all just keep her? I'll tell Judy, can you just keep her tonight? Because I don't get off till late. And it got to where she kept her every night. And I was gambling, and I was doing meth, and I was working, and my life, just all of it consumed me. Um, then I was on Crime Stoppers, and I got arrested, and I did a year in Tallulah. I thought I found Jesus, but I didn't. I had a jailhouse religion. I didn't find Jesus. I got out the very first night I did meth. Um, and at this time, it was 2018, and I still felt abandoned. I still felt rejected, and I just felt like there was a hole in my heart. And so at this time, I started selling meth, and I felt like people needed me. I felt like for the first time I was needed and that I had people that wanted to be around me, not knowing it was for the drugs. Um, so 11 months later, Hayden still wasn't in my life. I would go see her every other weekend for like an hour and I would be like, I'm just a great mom because I'm not putting this in her life and she's somewhere protected. Okay. And um, so it just didn't go well. So. After all this, I went back to jail. I was there for 16 months this last time. I knew I wanted something different. Um, I had a friend in there, and she was going to Teen Challenge, and she said, you should give it a try. The very next day, I had an application in the mail. And um, story short, they first they rejected me. They told me my charges were too bad, and I couldn't go to Teen Challenge. One month later, I went. And God came in and he showed out. Within four months, I had my GD. I found Jesus. I'm a totally different person than I was three years ago. Like the person you see today is nothing like the person you would have seen. Y'all wouldn't even have, I wouldn't even have walked in this church. I wouldn't have. Or if I did, you would have been like, oh my God, that girl needs to go. But anyway, um, I, I, I interned at, at Mount Grace and I was going to stay in Teen Challenge forever. I was like, this is my spot, this is where I'm going to live, this is it. God told me otherwise. Two months before I completed, he told me, Mendon. And um, since I've been here, I have a job. I have people who love me. I have a family. I have y'all. I have a church that I just love. And um, I've never had that before. I've never felt loved. I've never felt like I belong. And now I do. And I'm so thankful for each and every one of y'all. And um, 
here in a few weeks or like a month, I'm going to have my daughter back and she's going to be coming to church and she's going to find Jesus too. And I'm going to be the mom that God intended me to be. And I'm just so thankful. Thank y'all. Yeah, get that girl out of here. Yeah, right. We would have never said that. But it is true uh, that she, you know, really has. And all of her felonies, gone. They're all dropped. That was the crazy part. Like, how, how many did you have? You had eight felony charges that they wouldn't even let her go to Teen Challenge because they were like, yeah, you got to go spend some more time in jail. Well, a few, how, it was like, was it two months ago? Maybe. It was in December, yeah. In December, all felony charges completely dropped with the court system. So stinking cool. And she will be having her daughter back, so she's getting ready. She's praying about what she's going to do next, but she knows she wants to be um, rooted and planted in Minden with her daughter and start over here. So we'll be seeing her around. But uh, we're going to bring up our last person, Emily. <laughs> y'all better do it for her. She's been doing it for y'all. Emily. You took the long way, didn't you? You wanted the whole thing. Okay, okay. Extra, just kidding. Extra for Jesus. Wow. Um, hi. So most of you guys already know my name. I'm Emily. Yeah, I'm from Shreveport. Um, so I grew up in Shreveport, raised in Shreveport, all that good stuff. So um, yay and nay. Um, <laughs> I was raised by my parents and my godmother. It was a, it was a decent upbringing. Um, my parents loved me the best they could. They did, um, they did their best. Um, it wasn't always the ideal situation. There was things I was exposed to like addiction and, and you know, loved ones in jail and criminal activity. But for the most part, they did what they knew was best. Um, they were struggling with generational curses and um, during this time, I was bullied a lot for looking different, acting different. I was awkward. I was called Albi for albino. Um, so I got real quiet all the time. I kept secrets a lot, my family secrets. I, um, I didn't want to draw attention to myself because I already did enough by looking different, I guess, and acting, I guess, just awkward. Um, so my first opportunity of feeling loved was in high school, and of course it was by a guy. Um, he was a little bit older, and it was just a few months into it, he had um, began to be physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually, all that terrible stuff, abusive. Um, and like most abusers do, they will threaten your family in order for you to, you know, keep quiet. And so for about a year and four months, I did that. I stayed quiet. And then one night was just too bad that I had called his parents. And I asked his parents to come and get him, um, or I was going to go to the authorities. They did. And it was about two months later, he was in the Inquisitor for domestic violence and abuse because he beat up his mom and his little sister. Um, I had taken on that guilt because I had kept, once again, another secret. Um, but at the same time, I was happy that it had been exposed and he was seen for you know what he was doing. And then my parents found out. And so we began our, what I thought was our healing process. I started college. Um, I went to college for almost four years. I dropped out shortly before having my son. Um, I had met my son's father. And um, I'd gotten married to him pretty quickly after finding out I was pregnant. Our marriage started off rocky, but we tried our best. He had two small children from his first marriage. So I immediately jumped in in my early 20s to being a caretaker, not just of my own son, but of smaller children too. And early on, he joined the Army. So here I am, a mom and an army wife, and we were moving to Colorado Springs. And I was like, this is going to be great. I can do this. We can, you know, have a great marriage. And the next thing I found was for the first three years of my son's life, I was a stay-at-home mom alone, raising him alone for a year and a half of it because his dad was always gone. Um, while I was home with him, uh, alone in Colorado, no family and no friends, no really support system, 
um, I began to realize that he was a little different. Um, very special though, uh, but he was different. And um, we went to the doctor and that's when they first told me that he was showing signs of autism. Um, I am not ashamed that he is on the spectrum and I believe that he will overcome all of the things that they say that he will have to struggle with. But at this time, I felt very alone and scared for him. Um, and so I began to just really smoke a lot of weed. Because I mean, I lived in Colorado and I was like, I knew deep in my mind that I had the tendencies of an addict, but I always fought it. Um, and so I thought this is legal, I'll do it. So I smoked a lot of weed to just kind of numb everything. And then whenever his dad was finished with his time in the army, we moved home. Well, I had to put the weed down um, if I wanted to get a good job. So what better thing to replace it with is nothing, I mean, I guess alcohol, because it was, once again, it was legal. And I thought, well, you know, not hurting anybody. And so we came home and he joined the Bossier Sheriff's Department. And I got a job. Everything looked good on the outside, but I was becoming a closet alcoholic. And uh, my son was starting school. He had to be put in special ed. And um, he's great, but it was hard to see him just struggle. And then we got custody of his oldest daughter, and she was also on the spectrum. And so here I am in my late 20s with a child in middle school and my son in pre-K and kindergarten. And I just, I felt like I'm supposed to help these people, but I don't know who can help me. And so I found myself in the closet drinking a lot. Well, eventually my marriage was so flawed that him, Jack's father decided to leave. And then all of a sudden, I found myself alone again with my son. And instead of drinking in the closet, I just started to drink wherever, whenever. And um, October 16th, 2020, um, it's probably the worst day of my uh, I found myself behind the wheel with my son in the car. Um, and we were in a pretty terrible wreck. Uh, Jack sustained severe injuries. Um, and it is, I mean, it's like something you see in a movie. Um, I didn't go to jail right away. I, for some reason, they didn't arrest me. And that night, while Jack was in ICU with his dad, I um, tried to kill myself. And I remember crying out, like, God, what did I do? Like, how, how can I come back from this? And so I ended up finding myself in the psych ward at Oshner's. Um, and from there, I went to CADA. And on the day that I completed a 28-day program, I was arrested for three felony charges and one misdemeanor. Um, I was in jail with a $190,000 bond. Um, I remember calling my parents and just being like, I, I am so scared. Uh, I thought I would never see my son again. Um, I mean, hell, I felt like there was no lower than this. Like, I almost killed my own son. And if you guys know me, you know Jack is my world. And um, everybody was so mad at me. And I mean, I was at CCC in Shreveport, pretty scary place sometimes. But um, I had one of the highest bonds. And I'm like, I'm gonna do time. And this is it. And I remember sitting in the cell and I had two cellmates and they were like, Emily, let's just do Bible study. I'm like, oh, I hate reading. I'm not doing it, no. I'm already gonna be here for a minute. They're like, no, come on. So um, Talitha, the name's in the Bible. That was my cellmate, and she was like, get a Bible. So I got a Bible, and I told God, I was like, look, if you want me to read this, I'll give you one chapter. 
I'll give you one book. I'll read one book, and if you give me a sign, I will keep reading. And so I flipped open to the first page of the book of Isaiah. It's a great book, but it's also the longest book in the Bible. (laughs) I was like, man, it was New King James Version. I was like, this is awesome. But it was. So I read all 66 chapters. And, um, and so I learned about fasting, too, during this time. So I fasted my last two court dates. And I have the toughest judge in Caddo Parish, Judge Ramona Emanuel. And she wanted to see me do time. And I was going to do it. Because I, I told them, I said, I wanted, if someone else were to do this to Jack, I'd want the same thing for them. So I was prepared. Well, I fasted, gave all my commissary away, and the next thing I know, on my birthday, when I'm being sentenced, and the bailiff tells me happy birthday in shackles, I get the gift of a Louisiana Daunting Challenge. So it was like the worst and best day, I guess. Happy birthday. Um, So I go to Teen Challenge. While I'm there, I met Courtney. She welcomed me. I'm four months in, and Stephen, came with uh, Pastor Sandra and told me about a dream God had given him, which gave me hope. I had many words spoken over me that gave me hope, you know, but every day, you know, I still miss Jack and I had to deal with shame and guilt. Um, But thankfully I had supportive parents, friends and family. Um, I continued on, I completed my year, but on, my week that I completed, uh, the week before I moved here, my, um, my dad passed away um, from COVID. And, um, but I knew that God had spoken mention over me. And I knew I had the opportunity to go home. I mean, who wouldn't go be with their mom? I had that freedom. But I decided to stay here and um, see him through it. And in return, he has given me all of you guys. He's given me GoFresh. You know, I don't even have a license, you know, but I have a job that's close enough where I can ride my bike. And I got a pink bike. So now I have a job, I have a community, and um, you guys get to see Jack all the time. And that is a huge deal, because I, A lot of moms wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to get their child back. And I get him every other weekend. And he loves me. He remembers the wreck. Um, We've talked about it. But he remembers, what he will remember is the mom that he's had since. And that's all that matters to me. So I'm here to say that addiction and the enemy do not discriminate. I was once a Bossier Sheriff deputy's wife. And then I ended up being an inmate with one of the highest bonds. But God will meet anyone, anywhere, at any time, if you just ask him to come and to lead you, and you'll find your place, like your place, like I found mine. So thanks. The bicycle. <laughs> so she, uh, when, we, when I went and introduced her to Jody, she came, she's like, hey, I have a bike. Can I bring my bike? I said, where are you going to ride it? You know, where are you going? And I, she's like, I'm going to ride it around town. And I was like, Emily, this ain't Colorado. You don't really see a lot of people in Minden just riding their bicycle around, you know. But uh, she said, I'll bring my helmet. I was like, all right, you do it, girl. Okay. But she'd be biking. Okay. So y'all be praying for her, um, for her vehicle and her license. That's next. And Kim also as well, we're praying her license and a vehicle in for her, but, um, we're going to have our, so I am the development director of Generation House. I was part of the startup. Um, I just kind of try to make sure that the lights stay on, you know, and that, uh, people keep being reminded what we do and go and speak to women that need it and help them get the help that they need. So if y'all ever need me to speak to somebody, just please reach out. I know I'm kind of approaching my, uh, 
pause. I got five weeks left, but I will still come talk to people. Okay. It's not a big deal, but we're going to have our in-house director. So I have two in-house directors. One is uh, leaving me to go be with an amazing man, Ken. Nobody forgot Ken was great, Stephen. Okay. Goodness. We were honoring Tiffany. Okay. But uh, anyways, but Tiffany and Angela are both my in-house directors. They live in the staff house. And then the other residents that came and spoke, they live in the residence part of the house. And uh, so we're going to have our in-house director who is the head honcho. She keeps everything, keeps the girls in line, mentors the women, and I'm going to have her come up and share. I've reached out to all of the girls that have come and gone over their time since we have had our doors open. And so I had all of them send me just a quick update about their life and about where they're at and what they're doing. So I'm going to have Angela, our in-house director, come and share those updates and a little bit about what's going on in her life, and we'll wrap it up. So thank you all. So just real quick before I give the other girls updates, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, the last time I did, I gave my testimony here at this church. I stared at my paper and cried the whole time and never looked up at anybody. Um, <laughs> since then, Jordan has pushed me to put the paper down and just let the Holy Spirit lead me. Um, since that time, yeah, I'm that one. I've cried when every girl got up here, and now I'm going to cry. Um, I changed jobs. I went to work for Miss Jody, and that was the best decision I ever made. Um, not only going to work for her gave me a safe environment, but she is a boss that will stand beside you and cheer you on with any choice you make. Um, she gave me and Tiffany the opportunity last year to take off for two weeks and go to Africa this year, we're going to get to go back, both of us, and take our daughters with us this time. Wow. Um, that's some, oh, another big thing that happened just here recently is uh, when God told me I was coming back to Minden, I always had the heart to go into the prison and to pull all the people that I was in addiction out. Um, so every other weekend, I get the opportunity to go to the fourth floor here in Minden and preach to the girls. That's very outside of my comfort zone. Um, I don't like public speaking at all. Um, but I feel like when I went to Africa last year, the Lord prepared me for that. Um, every single day, me and Tiffany had to get in front of people and speak. And it was a lot more people than is sitting in this room right now. Um, For a long time, I didn't have the courage to stand in front of people because I was worried about what they would think of me. Ultimately, the devil wanted me to keep my mouth shut. And so, um, with the help of my mentors and the help of the Lord, I've overcome that. And it's still uncomfortable. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm pushed every day by people that love me. And uh, I'm just grateful for the Generation House and this church. And I guess uh, until the Lord drops a husband in my lap, I ain't going nowhere. So, <laughs> all righty. That's all for me. So I'm not sure who's up first. So whatever picture you put up is the one that I'll give. Okay. So Tanya... And her husband, Shane, have went to Africa twice since her time with us at the Generation House, and we're so proud of you, Tanya. Next is Erica. Erica now lives in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, where she is a general manager for a smoothie company and is successfully living in her own apartment for the past year and a half. She has purchased her own vehicle. Erica recently has had her first overnight unsupervised visit with her daughter, Aurora, and continues to grow in her relationship with the Lord daily. Oh, my May May. Let me tell you just one little thing about Megan before I give you her update. When uh, I was in the program, she was an intern, and we used to go on walks every evening. And I would tell Megan that one day she was going to be stuck with me for the rest of her life in Minden. <laughs> Little did I know that God had her a husband waiting in Minden. But uh, 
So since leaving the Generation House, Megan married her husband, Stephen Sorrells, and together they pursued custody of Megan's daughter, Fallon, and they received custody of her on December 29th of last year. Megan now serves as a secretary for the Generation House Board and is one of the managers for GoFresh. She also serves in kid ministry here at CCAM alongside her husband. So Kelsey is now working at an office job and has recently became engaged to another Teen Challenge graduate, Justin Drysdale. Oh, Jazzy Jazz. Jasmine is working at a medical clinic here in Minden. Jasmine and her son Tristan have been living in their apartment in Minden for two years. Tristan is now in the fourth grade and regularly gets to visit his dad on school breaks. Jasmine has recently purchased a new vehicle. Annalisha. So Annalisha is now married to a great man of God and Teen Challenge alumni, Jason Boudreaux. Together they are serving in ministry called Anason Ministries. They are able to serve those who are going through the same thing they went through. God has restored things 100 times greater than ever before and is still restoring. Ashlyn is now 25 and has relocated to Pensacola, Florida with her precious six-month-old baby girl, Kylie, and her father. She is working and living with joy. Ashlyn says thank you to the Gray family, Generation House, and Minden TC for helping her to be better. Jeannie returned after completing her accountability at the Generation House and is now working full-time. She now has her own home, vehicle, and also has custody of her son. She has full restoration with her family and now has two grandchildren. And Kelly. After Kelly and her husband were married at CCAM, they relocated to Dotson, Louisiana, where Bradley serves as a staff member at Teen Challenge. They were blessed with a car and shortly after Kelly started working at the local hospital for a Christian boss who allows her to go on mission trips at any time. Kelly and Bradley have been on a mission trips and will continue to go and fulfill the call of their lives. Kelly's relationship with her sister and daughter are being restored. Kelly is so thankful for her time at the Generation House that she was able to serve and learn to give her time and hearts to others through the food pantry. She will never forget that beautiful experience in her life. And that's all of them. Amen, amen. Well, <laughs> my heart's just full. You know, every girl that comes into the Generation House, I sit down with them and I talk about um, what the part of our church plays and what, um, what Paula and I and Greg and Angel bring to the table for them. And one of the most important things that, um, that we've learned through all of this um, is is relationships, it's accountability, it's, it's, it's family, it's, it's, it's just being there, right? Being, helping one another to, to do the things that, that, um, that all of us have to, to, to go through in life. I mean, you heard a lot of the testimonies where they felt like they were rejected, you know, that they felt like they were all alone. Um, and any girl that comes in, I tell them from day one, once they come in, they are, they're with me for the rest of their life. They don't get to lose me. They may live in Pennsylvania. They may live in Pensacola. They may be here. They may be there. But for the rest of their life, I'll be in relationship with them. They're so um, fortunate to have um, Jody and Devin Martin that um that i mean they they get in the they do the hard stuff i mean can you imagine these girls these incredible women that are having to live together and then they have to go work together and then they have to come home and they have to live together god bless them so much prayer that needs to be you know put on them i mean i i i i live with my husband and we kind of we you know we 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 work a little bit together but i wouldn't want to be with him 24 7 because something might happen to him and um or something might happen to me right but uh, we call Generation House because we believe, 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 believe that it is a generation.
generation because when we touch the hearts and the lives of these women, then we touch the hearts and the lives of their children. Then we touch the hearts and the lives of their grandchildren and their future grandchildren. It is a generational blessing that comes and overtakes them. Amen. And so through the Generation House, um, we declare we're in Teen Challenge. For those of you that don't know, they cannot come to Generation House unless they complete a faith-based program. So that's why we are are diligent about going into Menden's Teen Challenge. That's why that I go down to Mount Grace Teen Challenge. That's why we go down to the bridge uh, in Sheridan, Louisiana. We begin to develop these relationships, and we let them know that there is an option, that there is a place, that if they come alongside us, that we will partner with them and that we will show them how to do life outside of extreme accountability. Teen Challenge is wonderful. It is the starting point. But it, it, they have to come out of that bubble, and they have to learn how to deal with life in this world. Amen? And so we come alongside them. And so um, we're just going to take a few moments, and we're gonna, um, we are going to open up a, uh, an offering as we close out here this morning. Thank you. We've gone just a few minutes over. Thank you for being so patient as these women have you know, shared their soul and their heart. Um, and as we get ready to dismiss, I'm going to ask if you stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I am going to ask my ladies, if you'll come up here, all the ladies that, that spoke this morning, if you'll come on up here. I'm just going to ask you to line up right here. As we, uh, as we get ready to, uh, to, um, to, to uh, anything that's given, you can put it through the, the church if you want to. Feel God's laid it on your heart to be a blessing in Generation House. We have so many people that have volunteered so much time and energy into helping. Um, I'm just going to ask as you uh, come out, I mean, I want you to just encourage them. You know what I mean? As you, I want you to just, um, if you need prayer, pull one of them aside. Say, hey, listen, I want you to pray. I have a sister. I have a, I have a uh, brother that's in addiction. Stand in agreement so that freedom can come to them. But as we're dismissing, come up and just give them a hug and tell them, hey, listen, we're proud of you. We're proud of what you're doing and to continue into the next step. Amen. So everybody, let's just bow our head. Father, in the name.